The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed during this or any broadcasts belong solely to our guests or our hosts. These broadcasts do not represent or reflect the views of their employers, sponsors, or affiliated organizations. Welcome to the Flipboard EDU podcast with your host, William Jeffrey, where we collaborate, communicate, and educate with the greatest educators in the world on Flipboard. Let's start the show. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Coach Jeffrey. And during this pandemic, we have highlighted the way teachers and students can enhance their careers through collaborations with successful educators. We believe that connecting teachers with other teachers will foster creativity and collaboration in ways that will enhance student achievement. Umberto Perez of E4 Youth takes that collaborative mindset to a whole other level. E4 Youth is a nonprofit organization that develops and mentors marginalized youth into creative professionals, and Umberto Perez is its education director. Using the arts, sciences, and technology, the E4 Youth team mentors high school and college students to explore career pathways in film and graphic arts careers. The organization has also offered hands-on training and exposure to real-world opportunities. In this episode, we speak to Umberto about mentoring high school and college students on building a solid foundation in the film and graphic arts industry. We discuss how COVID-19 has affected his work with E4U and spent some time reviewing his resources for filmmaking. So like we always do about this time, Let's collaborate, communicate, and educate right here on Flipboard EDU Podcast. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Jeffrey, and I have another amazing guest, one of my favorite people on earth, Mr. Umberto Perez. Welcome to the show. Hey, Coach Jeffrey, man. It is such a pleasure to be here with you. First of all, before I get into what how I feel about you, let's tell our guests a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've been in education for, was a public school educator for 18 years. I taught nine years middle school theater arts and tech theater. And then I taught nine years at high school. I taught audio and video production here in, at uh, Conley High School up here in Pflugerville ISD. I actually left the public education sector to go work with one of my friends and really excellent colleague, Carl Settles. I met Carl while I was working at Conley High School. I remember hearing about him from another colleague of mine. And he basically told me, hey, this guy is trying to create more diversity in the in the creative workforce. You should reach out to him. And so I did. And I really loved what Carl was trying to do, which was basically connect young people of color to like different careers in the creative industry and creative media and all that stuff. We're a very small percentage of, of that workforce, like very small percentage. And the school I was teaching at, we were pretty much all brown and black faces there. It was something I wanted to do. And it was something that was really great because of all my students started getting access to knowing that there's careers out there where they can make a living being creative. So I was really uh, glad to do that. And then I'm actually surprised I lasted 18 years in the public school sector because I was that kid that would put glue on the teacher's chairs when I was a kid going to school. I was a misfit. 
That's what I was in the principal's office in kindergarten, all because I was speaking Spanish. I loved learning, but I was always getting in trouble and I never did well in school. So I, I, I was just surprised that I lasted that long. But I think there's a lot of changes that need to be made. But when I stepped out, Carl was like, hey, let's work together on e for You." So that's what I started doing. And I'm really happy I did that. Excellent. Excellent. So I met you probably about maybe six, maybe seven, eight years ago. And when I met you, you came in as a trainer for my school district and they had brought you in. It was like, we got this really cool guy. He's coming to train and we don't have anybody to go out to eat with him. Well, does anybody want to go out to eat? And then of course they looked at me and they saw my stomach and they was like, Hey, I think we would like to go. And I was like, I don't know that dude. So we, we ended up going to lunch with you. And I was like, this dude is really cool. And at that time you were teaching us how to film and how to use camera because we were going to start our own film festival in the district that I was in. And I, that again, there are a couple of professional developments that you never forget. And that was one. And I use that to this day. I, I'm just going to tell you that you have been a life changing person to me. You have always been the same dude. And I've seen how you grow students and I've seen you work with teachers. And so your passion is just like invigorating to me. It's a couple of you guys who I just feed off of. I appreciate you being the person that you are. Well, thank you. I, I remember that too, like coming over here, going over to Fort Bend and being in a room with all of you. And I was just as amazed about all of you and the work you were doing. And even like you, just all the stuff that you were doing and how passionate you were about putting tech tools in the hands of young people and having them create, like being a creator. And that got me excited as well. So I was like, I thought y'all were all, I mean, to this day, you're one of the coolest cats I know. Hey, coming from you, I appreciate that. And then also too, we became close. And then I even, we even have a nickname for each other. Do you, uh, you want me to tell everybody what our nickname is for each other? And I remember we were eating tacos and sharing stories about our culture. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I was like, hey, yeah. we like cousins. And you was like, yeah, we primos. I was like, oh, Def- yeah. definitely primos. So I I, again, thank you for coming on the show. I'm going to have to ask you back. So after we get through with this interview, I'm going to ask you back. So I'm just going to tell you that from up front. And I'll be more than happy to come back and, and share more stuff and, and have some laughs with you. Great, great. Hey, so tell yeah. me about E4 Youth. What is E4 Youth? So E4 Youth is a nonprofit. And our mission is to use the art, sciences, and technology to help youth find and pursue pathways to successful careers in the creative economy. We do that through hands-on training, active mentorship, and exposure to real-world opportunities. And so the short of it is basically we connect creative young people of color with creative careers. Amazing. And that is so huge right now, simply because, especially in the pandemic, okay, the pandemic, we need creators because that's what we're experiencing when we're online and Zoom and Zoom backgrounds and just those types of things. How has working changed since the pandemic started? It's before we used to meet in person in a room and be together. Now that we have to be apart, of course, everything went virtual. And so we're actually using Google Meet. We're using Zoom. We're using other platforms where you can stream online. But actually, we've grown, which has been amazing. And it forced, I guess it forced everybody really, because it just didn't force us, but it forced everybody to just be online and, and figure out how do we continue to teach and learn. And we were already set up for that because we've been doing that. And it was more of a refining some of our processes. We started having these virtual talks where we'd have creative professionals come on and our college age students would would interview them and talk to them and ask them questions about how they got to their career and just ask them a lot of relevant things. 
so that the younger people can see, okay, there's not one path to get to that career. Everybody takes a different path. And so that was, that's become really popular. We have, I'm still trying to figure out how to have more success with our high schools because I will admit that's been very challenging, but I hear that we're not the only ones. I can talk to other people. I hear everybody's having that challenge. But as far as college students, oh my gosh, we've recruited because we work with high school age students and college age students. For our college age students, they mentor our high school students. And our college age students also, they get hired as digital docents, which are basically they produce media, all kinds of different media. Our creative mentors, they work in the high schools and help the high school students develop a portfolio. They score their creative projects. They help them develop a resume. They help them get ready to become employed. All of this is about workforce development. So we're really helping these young people build the skills that they need to become employed. And so that's been our focus during the pandemic. Wow. So you guys are working to create an employed workforce during the pandemic of marginalized people. Oh, yeah. Because, and I said it at the very beginning of the pandemic, I told all our young people, I said, look, there, in life, there's always stuff. I remember in Houston, Hurricane Harvey, which did so much damage to, to so many people in Houston, up into people's lives. But what you saw was that, yeah, the storm came. It was there for a day or two. And then once it was over, it was like everybody had to come together and help each other and do all these things. And there was a lot of destruction, but there was a lot of opportunities that were created. And and then you saw Houston with the whole hashtag Houston Strong. People come together and actually do that. And so that's a short example because it's a hurricane. But this pandemic, it could be a couple of years. But I've been telling the young people, hey, look at it as a time to just get ready for the opportunities that are going to be there once there's some light at the end of the tunnel, because there's always going to be opportunities. So that's what we've been preparing them for. Excellent. And yes, there. and you're right. There is always opportunity. And speaking of opportunities, you taught me how to use a video camera. I didn't know how to do it at all. And how would you suggest other educators get started in teaching videography the way you taught us? Yeah, even when I was there uh, doing that professional development with, with y'all, a lot of like continue to evolve. I'm just, when you start looking at these iPhones and iPads and just all these devices that, that are out there and what they can do with their cameras, I'm like, whoa, people are shooting movies on their, yeah. on their phone, like literally. And so there's a great opportunity out there for educators to do the same thing. My advice would be one, definitely get access to some resources. The cool thing, I have some resources that I have on my bulk portfolio. And you can check them out for filmmaking and audio video production. It's on my it's on my bull portfolio, which is bullbat.com slash el maestro Humberto Perez. Um, and I do have some things on there that talk about cinematography and storyboarding. And I'm actually I just recorded another one for an organization called Connector.org. They uplift the stories of women and young girls all around the world. And I made a video for them because they were wondering how do you how do students make films right now during the pandemic. And so I did this video and I'll be posting that to my bulb as well. And that has a lot of good tips for, okay, here's some things you can do. So first of all, looking at some of those resources, don't be afraid to ask a student. Like I learned so much from my students actually, because I ask them, I go, Hey, did you figure out how to do something like this or this? And they teach me stuff all the time. You show them the basics and then they'll go deeper and then they could show you like how to do stuff. And I think the main thing is to help students understand they're probably the first few videos aren't going to be all that great because the content is not going to be all that great. But that's where teachers come in because we can show them, 
like what makes excellent content, right? As opposed to having to stress out about, oh, how do I work this camera? Most of them are pretty easy. From what I'm seeing, a lot of these apps, they can do so many different things that you don't even have to know. You don't have to have a technological background to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah, that's what I would say is definitely check out the resources that I have. Vimeo School is great as well. They have great resources on there for educators as well. I mean, it's for anybody who wants to do filmmaking, but you can find great stuff on there too. That's so cool. I know you're passionate about social justice and equal rights for students. How has the pandemic shed light on or hid some of those problems? Oh, yeah. I am very passionate about that because I mentioned earlier that I was in the principal's office in kindergarten and I really do think it was because I was speaking Spanish because my first language was Spanish at home. And and I remember my mom and dad being there and I wasn't really afraid of the principal. I was more afraid of what was going to happen to me when I got home because when you're Mexican, you have to learn how to do the belt dance or the chancla dance because that's what they do to you. That's what's coming around the corner. That's what's coming for you. And But I remember my mom and my dad getting an argument that night about what had happened there at the office. And I don't know exactly. I was just freaking five years old. But as I've put my life together from since I was five years old and wondered why I never did well in school. And and also I I did have some amazing teachers that were really awesome, but for the most part, I I never did well. And I just started seeing that there was so much systemic racism going on because I was this scrawny little Mexican kid. And so I knew that it took me 10 years to graduate from college. And there was a lot of struggles there because my mom was a single mom trying to raise six kids on $200 child support. And she didn't know the English language and her degree that she had gotten in Mexico wasn't worth anything here in this country because it's not from this country, which I thought was really messed up. But I just kind of, I don't know, I just made it through. And I decided once I graduated that I want to do something that was creative, but I didn't know what. Then I met this amazing educator down the Rio Grande Valley named Gilbert. He was considered the godfather of theater down there. And he actually, after several times of trying to get me to come in and work as a theater arts teacher, he finally convinced me. And what I learned from him, he was my first mentor. What I learned from him was that he had married a principal and he had told me why I married a principal, figure out how to work. So I learned from him that it was about building relationships with students. And I learned that also from another professor that I'd taken a class from. And it was really about building relationships with students. So if you really had a genuine, authentic relationship, that you would be successful in the classroom. And that has been true. That has been so true. But it takes the right mindset to do that. And I feel that there's a lot of judgment that gets passed on a lot of people, like a lot of people, about the way they think, the way they view the world, and all these different things, but especially if you're black or brown. And with this pandemic, I think what I have seen is that a lot of this came to light with the, the killing of George Floyd. And people actually seen that actual video. This is what's going on. And uh, having this pandemic also showing that the communities that are being decimated by this pandemic are communities of color because we, they, we don't have the resources. And I include myself in that because after I left teaching, I didn't have health insurance. I didn't have health insurance for a long time. I also live in the hood That's where I live. I couldn't afford to live anywhere else, really, not on a teacher's salary. Also, once I left teaching, my salary was cut in half from that to do this work. That is my passion. And, and so I know the struggle. And I just felt like the pandemic really highlighted that. And I think more people became aware of what's going on. I still think there's still a lot more work to do. People that I know that have died from COVID, they're all people of color. They just they don't have the resources. 
So for these young people, I think it's been, I know for e for youth it's been great because our organization has actually grown. We went from nine employees in 2019 to now we're at 19 employees at the beginning of 2021. Wow. And that's incredible. And that, that starts to, what that tells me is that there are people paying attention and going, okay, there is a problem with social justice and we need to address it. And that's a really great thing that I'm really excited about. But again, we just have more work to do. And I think part of it is passing judgment on students and to see them for who they are and to, and to work with them. There's a reason why it's called education, to educate and provide them with opportunities to learn, but not control them. Yeah. That's deep, man. Again, I know that you're really passionate. And what I like about talking to people like yourself is that I know it's not fake. Some people who say they're involved in social justice or whatever, they turn around and go and be hoity-toity. But like you said, you live in the hood. You know what I'm saying? And you can yeah. connect. You seek out authentic relationships. And it's not just you just go and look for uh, minority children. You do this with everybody. You've done it with everybody on our team. And we were a diverse group. And it just so happened that you and I hit it off, but I, I do see exactly what you're talking about. And I, in light of where America is today, we need that mindset for people to go out and seek relationships with students and adults. And that's what we need. But what is your yeah. latest projects? What are, what are you working on right now? I'm in a band and it's really talking about students. I've always had those genuine relationships with students because I see them for who they are and I meet them where they're at. And I find out from them, like, what are your goals? What do you want to do? If you can have your dream job, what does that look like? And once I know that, at least I know what direction they want to go in. And even though people might say, that's pretty crazy that you want to own your own music studio and do that. I don't say that. I just say, hey, so you want to be an entrepreneur and have your own studio. Okay, cool. Let's work on some skill sets that will help you develop that. I remember that my students used to ask me, why are you so invested in us? You're just so invested in us. What is it? And I'd say, I'd say, look, as a teacher, y'all know teachers, we don't make a lot of money. My plan is so. I'm probably going to be working until I'm freaking 80 years old if I even make it that far. So I'm, in, I'm invested in y'all for selfless reasons and selfish. I go, my selfless is that I see the inequalities that have happened and I want to do my part to help turn those things around. The selfish part is that all of you are going to accelerate. My job is to accelerate your growth faster than my growth was accelerated so that y'all can get to those big top positions so that you can go back and remember your old high school teacher and be like, oh yeah, I remember he does like he edits video and he does, or he's a producer or he does this, he does that. I should go talk to him and then you can hire me and pay me a six to your salary and give me a retirement plan. Yeah. Hey, that's the best way to build the future, baby. That's the best way to do it. I like that, man. Yeah, yeah. And they would be like, so that would mean that we'd be your boss? And I'd be, yeah. And I'm fine with that as long as you pay me. So what's funny about this band is I just happened to have a jam session one day over here at my house during a party that we had. And I had invited a couple of my former students and his parents because I was I became friends. I usually became friends with the parents of the students that I taught because I would teach like several of their kids. I would literally teach their whole family sometimes. The parents knew me really well. And so I had invited them over and we were having a barbecue here or, or not a barbecue, sorry. And and we were having this jam session and Sal brought in his jam bay and his guitar and we were jamming. And then after we were done, they were like, this was really fun. Like, we should do it again. He said, I'm taking some guitar lessons right here close to your house. He goes, my dad, this is right down the street from here. He goes, what if we get together twice a week and play guitar and play? And I was like, yeah, sounds cool. And just like everything, you say you're going to do it. 
but he actually showed up in the house and he's like, all right, we're going to do this. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do it. So he sits down and he says, all right, we're just going to have two roles. He goes, we're going to push each other to be better guitar players and we're going to have fun. That's only two rules. I was like, okay, cool. And so we started to meet like every week, every Monday and Wednesday, we started meeting every week in the evening and just playing songs. And we learned all these cover songs and then we were ready to go do a gig. And then he said, I don't want to be known as a cover band. He said, we've been making up some stuff our own. Let's write our own songs. And then go out and start doing that. And yeah, and it just, it was really cool because I've known Sal since he was a sophomore in high school and he graduated from the University of Texas from the Macomb School of Business in accounting. And, uh, and then his brother's a drummer and his brother also graduated from the Macomb School of Business. And so it's been great because like they, they do all the business aspect of the band and I get to do all the media stuff. Yeah. So you guys got it, got it rolled up and I know it's pretty live on if you're doing the media stuff. I already know. Yeah. yeah. So that's been pretty fun to do that and to, and through our music too, talk about some of these things like social justice, talk about like mental health and talk about things that affect us as communities is what we write our songs about and just, just trying to have a cool chill vibe and rock out every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I had one of your albums. I did CD. You didn't autograph it though. I think I need an autograph copy. I'm going to bring it back to you and have you to uh, autograph it. We'll make that happen over some tacos and tequila. Another project I'm working on too with another former student who he, so he went to the university of Texas Arlington and he got his degree in uh, filmmaking up there. Now he's actually working on his master's in filmmaking here at the University of Texas in Austin. And um, he actually asked me to be a co-producer on his film, Tejano Night. And he, we, we wrapped up filming in December of last year, right before the pandemic. And then, of course, the pandemic hit in March. So we haven't had a screening for his film or anything yet. We're in limbo, waiting to see what happens with the pandemic. But that's something that I'm excited about because he was one of those students who he didn't know much about his culture. Like, his, he's part Native American, but he's also part Latino, too. And so it's been really cool that he's been exploring that aspect of himself and, and telling stories about his experience. And, and that's why I was really excited about him asking me to be a co-producer on this film. So that's been really cool as well. Hey, so I got to see Tejano night when it comes out. I know that's going to be pretty good. On my next show and on February 4th, uh, February 2nd, I have another amazing guest who is in film as well. His name is Ricardo Bates. I love for you to get together and yeah, that'll be good. So I'm shout out to Ricardo and, and shout out to my boy Umberto. Hey, where can I find you on social media? So on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at, at and on Facebook, you can find me also at uh, facebook.com slash and also my bull portfolio is bullbap.com slash or you can email me at and my that is at gmail.com or umberto at e youthorg And I'm not the greatest at being on social media because actually I've really, which is one of the reasons I guess I've shot away from a lot of you, not on purpose. I think when I was in the band, like realizing how much time went into being on social media, how much time they spent on it. And then I would do, I would get on there sometimes and I'd be like, this is a lot of work. And then you start scrolling at other stuff and looking it up. This looks interesting. And it just be like void. But I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to do better about being on there and definitely would welcome anybody who has any questions or would like any resources for filmmaking or even just working with students and just some strategies that work and then help students really learn. I'd be more than happy to share 
whatever I know. You have my official stamp of approval. I don't really give it out to too many people, but I will tell you if anybody needs a great professional development on social emotional learning, teaching marginalized populations, Umberto is that. He is amazing, a uh, great and easy person and very likable. I really appreciate you remembering your primo. I know some of our friends are going to be so happy to uh, hear from you. Shout out to all of our good friends who know good old primo yeah hey thank you again for coming on the show this is i wind it down so just thank you for coming on the show umberto and thank you for being a good friend and i hope you'll come back um this is great thank you for inviting me to, to be a part of your show I've, I've looked at some of the podcasts that you have and you're doing an amazing job of interviewing educators everywhere and creating this uh repository of a great talk we all learn from each other and it's great to see you doing that because you were talking about it way back when and you're doing amazing work too, Jeffrey. There's that's what's great about all this is that I don't feel alone. Like we all feel like we're all helping each other and helping our young people and helping them really learn. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, you're welcome. Flipboard is a great way to collect articles for classes, show off your school and school spirit, and share expertise with peers. With so much content wheezing around out there, there's only one storytelling platform that helps you keep calm and stay informed and inspired, Flipboard. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard and get the best stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Get started now at Flipboard.com. It's time for Flip Tips, and today's Flip Tip is brought to you by my homegirl, Terry Porter, and her blog on Medium.com entitled, Your Flipboard Magazine Cover is a Front Door. The cover of your Flipboard magazine is a way into your content, so just like someone selling a home wants a pretty front door to encourage people to come inside of their house and look around, you want a compelling Flipboard magazine cover that will have people flipping your content. The cover is a focal point of your magazine, and just like the first five minutes of a good lesson, an engaging Flipboard magazine cover is your hook. You can read more about Terry's article on her blog on medium.com and flip also into our Flipboard EDU podcast magazine. Thanks, Terry. Flipboard fam, thanks for sticking with me on this episode. I want to thank Umberto Perez for talking with us about creating creatives. Hey, thanks, Primo, for always looking out. Hey, speaking of looking out, I want to give a huge shout out to Aileen Laylor and Crystal Vanderboom for the editorials on the Flip EDU Educators blog. On the blog, you can read about this episode and previous episodes that are packed with amazing guests who are focused on 21st century learning done right. Remember to subscribe to our Flipboard EDU magazine on Flipboard.com. Please subscribe and share our podcast with an educator or colleague. Our podcast is available globally and everywhere you listen to podcasts. So until next time, family, 